nowadays you have you score way more throughout the game. In a lot of past previous editions, you scored everything at the end. Hello everyone, this is next episode of Enter the Matrix, but actually first episode of Road to WTC, because for you, for those of you who might not know, myself and Nathan here, Nathan Roberts, hi, uh, we will be taking part in WTC as something that we never actually done before, which is being more of a media people. So we'll do some coverage. We'll be doing coverage live at the event. So you'll have people doing the streaming of the games and us will be doing more of the media coverage of what's happening in the round, etc. in more a studio style. So like you have those Saturday, Sunday football uh, thing in UK from what I recall. So basically that's something that we're aiming for and we will do some materials for those of you who might not be so familiar with the format. You might be just starting or you, I don't know, you're the very fresh player who might be on the team, but started playing competitively like two years ago and got onto the team like Anthony uh, in Team USA. So there will be some topics that we touch upon that come throughout the years and show not only the description of the event or like how the event works, but also like history of event, which will be the topic of today. So you want to add something, Nathan? Yeah. So uh, thanks for having us, guys. And uh, it's always nice to be able to do things like this. Obviously, we're both kind of new to this, moving away from both playing and coaching roles into a more, unfortunately, this space is normally for radio, but it'll be uh, unfortunately on your podcasts and streaming services this time. But uh yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll crack on with uh, the history of the WTC, or ETC as it used to be called, and uh, let you know what that was all about. So I, I think the event started in 2007. And what's, I think, interesting, it that that's the idea of the event, from what I recall, didn't come from 40k people. It actually came from fantasy battle uh, teams. And it was one of the fantasy battle players from Gorzów in Poland back then who said that, well, we okay. have like those forums online that sometimes somebody will post something. Maybe let's try and organize some people. So basically there was like a not so big group of players mm. amongst the teams that just figured out that they want to try and play against each other. So they decided to create an event Back then, they called it ETC, so European Team Championship. And it took place in Gorzów, which, by the way, you were in Gorzów as well, but five years later, Nathan. Mm -hmm. And that's basically the very beginning of it. As the oh, I didn't know that. Fa Fantasy Battle just initiated it. And then they it suddenly happened that 40K also joined. Probably someone who was involved back then, like, I don't know, in our team, it was vladi and skark they might still know those old days but mm -hmm. yeah we we had 
people to just join the game. And at that point, it was very small. We had 10 teams and it was Germany, Poland, England, France, Italy, Austria, Slovakia, Hungary, and United Nations, which back then was named Team Europe, which funnily enough, Team Europe took fourth place. Yeah. Uh, and T- Team Europe actually back then had Skark as a mercenary. Oh, really? Back oh. then, Skark uh, wasn't actually in the team. He wasn't good enough. So it's like way back. We haven't mm. played back then. I mean, I started playing, but I wasn't playing competitively. Yourself? Uh, yeah, I had started by then doing tournaments, but I wasn't with... Um, I wasn't involved in the WTC or ETC yet. That wasn't until a few years later. But yeah, actually, I didn't know that was from fantasy-based. Uh, I know kind of fantasy at that point, because I was actually playing that kind of time a lot more fantasy than 40k, because it was uh, arguably it was a better game in some ways. And actually, the, the tournament scene was almost bigger in some cases than 40k. But that's obviously flipped since changes to the game. But no, like I, yeah. IP and not having the game at all might also impact shit. <laughs> yeah, that might do something, yeah. Uh, I know the England team that did go in 2007 had uh, Gaz Jones. He's on the mm-hmm. Welsh team now. Um, I believe he was on there. And a gaming team that I used to be a part of called Flame On, uh, they had a few members on that team as well. So I remember them going out for that, being like, let's just have a fun time. And uh, obviously they came ninth didn't do so well but uh it was all new and fun back then yeah i i think it was back then it was more of an idea of just meeting people from other nations not as competitive as nowadays uh, which i can also see when i look back at like old polish forums where you could actually see some of the conversations like there was nowhere near the level of preparation you would just bring your best players and just have fun uh so and i think it translated to the very next year if you look back in 2008 i don't know where was it uh it wasn't munchen you were in you were in in monachim right uh Uh, so 2007 yeah you think you said it was poland i've got a feeling 2008 was italy and then it was two years in munster in germany yeah 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 then munster then switzerland Yes, and there was Montreux. Yeah, which was, so uh, yeah, 2008 was Italy. And the histories of very cheap wine. Unfortunately, so, I missed that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, back then, this event wasn't as serious. Uh, I think we could start to see one of the biggest rivalries in the whole WTC come up back then. Because when you look at 2007, Germany won the event and Poland uh, came second. And back then, Poland uh, drew Germany, from what I recall. So we mm-hmm. ended up second by the differentials. And next year, I think we beat Germany. So we ended up winning the event. And both those years, Sweden came third. So mm-hmm. there is like a history of Poland and Germany. Basically, whoever won that matchup won the event. and. Yeah, I I recall, I think in 2009, I think Polish team had, because they haven't lost in two years, I'm not sure if it was 2009 or 2010, you might know if it, if it was 2010, they had like 
the undefeated shirt. Yes, they did. Yeah, I do remember. It was two thousand ten. Yeah, I think that might have been the. Did they lose in two thousand ten? I think it might have been two thousand ten. So I'll get to that in a second. Uh, <laughs> so like two thousand nine, that year Sweden won. Uh, I think it was a story of. Uh, I don't remember the games themselves. I think if you ask some other people from the Swedish team or Neil Kerr, they might know. They I might. don't. I wasn't present back then, uh, so I don't know much. But it was another year that I know Poland didn't lose a game. They just lost on tiebreakers or drew against Sweden. I don't recall what. And that year was like a first year where you actually saw development of more teams coming in. And I think it might be because more people got aware of the event. We saw 16 teams this time with like Northern Ireland coming over and England still not performing the best back then. And yeah. And there was like that clear competition still between Sweden, Poland, Germany. And you could see it for years to come. But maybe yeah. about 2010, you can give more input from your point of view as you were there. Yes. So from 2010, which is like when you see like 2010 onwards, you start getting over 20 teams. What 2010 had 24 teams. Uh, it's obviously grown from 2009. Um, yeah. So I was actually playing for Scotland for my first two years because I wasn't good enough to get on the England team um despite my brother being the captain but uh <laughs> it was always a case of um i really enjoyed my time in scotland because it was more laid back and obviously uh neil kerr was our captain at the time so obviously i didn't know who he is but yeah i think 2010 onwards is really where it was noticeable that particular teams were starting to treat it more like a sport where you had to do a lot of prep. You had to be more careful with what you were doing on the evenings. Everyone out wasn't, not all teams were going out getting absolutely smashed. Some teams, that was their prerogative. Scotland, that was our prerogative. Um, Those were times where Neil had long hair. I think he was losing it by this point. But yeah, he had longer hair, yeah. Not the uh, bold, stunning man that he is now. Um, but yeah, 2010 Munster was definitely... Obviously, we had 2007, 8, 9, where you had, what, Germany win it, then Poland win it, then Sweden win it. And then it was like from 10 onwards was that basically round turntable of Sweden, Poland, Germany were always going to be... You'd always have a weird one where Poland might beat Germany, Germany would beat somebody else, and then Sweden would beat Germany. So it was always kind of like that little round table of you'd you'd have like you almost have three teams on five wins out of six uh i think it was, it just... was till 2014 oh. that no not a single team got six wins out of six games yes yeah it was you, you were only the in 2014 it it was the first year that team won all of their games and it's also yes. worth mentioning that like the very first years it was only what saturday sunday event Yes, it was then, only a two-day event. Yeah, so it was, what, five rounds then? Do I recall it correctly? It might have still been six, but the game lengths are only... 
like a regular tournament game was two and a half hours. You had three hours with pairings, whereas now we're looking at more four, four and a half hour games with pairings because you've also got to set the table up and yeah. Um, it's a little bit of a longer game now. And by that point, I think 2010 was the first time we played 1,750 points. And then at yeah. some point, it increases to 1,850 points until we get to the later stage where it's 2,000 points. Um, yeah. But no, we were like, Munster was an interesting one where you had the first time where it was felt like it was a really huge event. You had 40-odd nations for Warhammer Fantasy. You had 26 teams or 24 teams for 40K. Uh later on that they started introducing other games as well but yeah. and it felt like actually a holiday but maybe holiday is a bad word like you could actually see all the nations and all the systems going together and i recall it obviously my first year i was playing was in 2012 i wasn't in the team back then i was in mercs but i remember like that feeling of actually going to the polish team in other systems and talking to them and like being happy and like trying to cheer each other on uh grabbing a smoke going outside and talking to them like you actually felt like you were a nation that was playing few games yeah and uh, one of the nice things about monster was they were also because it was in like a i think it was a ice rink they uh Lots of teams obviously went to hotels, but actually what they allowed you to do was sleep in the venue. So if you brought camping equipment and everything else, so I think quite a few teams, half the people on those teams would stay in the actual venue. So you had everybody mixing all the way through the day and all the way through the night. Um, yeah. I know some It was like a big party too. for some teams. Yeah. And, there, and there were like those teams that you would look at top five, those teams being a little bit more serious. <laughs> Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, so 2011, that was, what, Switzerland? And uh, from what I recall, I only know stories that I was told by the elders in our community about sleeping in, like, nuclear fallout bunkers, etc., as a hotel where you it, had bunk beds. <laughs> so what's your experience? It was simultaneously one of the most beautiful ETCs we've been to and the most expensive place I've ever been to. And this is still, what, 12 years ago. And um, so, like, Gaz Jones, who was on the team, him and another teammate, they were thought, they thought, oh, rather than going to a restaurant, what we'll do, or, like, somewhere to grab lunch, we'll just go to the local market because they had stalls and things. We'll get a baguette, some slices of ham, and... I'll do just like a cheap sandwich and when they totted it all off it ended up being like 25 francs which is like 20 20 quid or yes yeah, like 25 euros and you're just like oh nothing here is cheap so effectively we stayed in a hostel in the arse end of nowhere we had to walk to the venue every day because you could not get taxis you then we basically ate at the same like you got chips in a kebab in a cup and it was like 10 quid each time but it was the only place you could afford to go and we basically ate there every single evening 
drinking was just you had to go to the cheap supermarket and find the little stubby bottles because if you wanted to drink anything else unless you brought it with you you weren't doing it because it was horrifically expensive but then every day you would walk along the river sorry walk along the lake looking at mountains with like renaissance uh, enlightenment period um i want to call them mansions walking past all of them every morning be like oh this is great and then people swimming in the lake the swiss must have thought we were cretins because we were just loads of like you had neil kerr and basically let's be honest the bmi of most war gamers is pretty horrific so you just had these seals all swimming in the lake while we're all just in, making their views awful but i, I think that's yeah. the year that you also had the story of like fantasy battle player who had cocked dice that didn't have like a one because back then when you had like anvil in dwarves if you rolled the one it would blow up so he didn't have a one so he rolled it all the time and when somebody caught him doing that he actually threw it into the lake hoping that it would not resurface yeah so. i don't know many of instances of cheating but it, it happens there's so many people there i think yeah. at one point i only started playing in 2012 but i feel like at some points like the competition was too tense yes like i there's a reason why now there's all the gentlemen play all the things that neil wanted to introduce so much into yes. the event and that's yeah. because at times it was unbearable like you knew that if you were facing like say team germany or us back then that those games will not be fun yes the obviously england was on the fringe of that for a little bit of time but it, it was a case of when you knew you were playing germany or poland and it's not necessarily wrong that they were doing that because that unfortunately was the game back then but it was you couldn't give anybody anything like you had to no and, it, and because you were part of a team it was kind of a if you make a mistake i have to punish you because it's a team environment and i can't let my team down there's a little bit of a if there's something gamey i can do uh i think 2010 was that year where some guy had white scars full bike army you could reserve your whole army at that time yeah and it was okay this guy had croot and he infiltrated every single board edge on the first turn and basically went your army can't come on the table there's memes about that like you yeah. you know those memes about the guy sitting yeah. Uh, being really happy yeah and yeah those are those were the things and that was a problem because back then it created a reputation for certain teams and yes. it really stuck for years to come even when the teams got better like i know when i went for the first year in the team in 2013 I knew, like, everybody told me that I do not want to play neither Spain or Germany. Like, those teams will not be fun at all. Not even one more for the lack of the communication, actually, and all the communication issues. But the other was, I knew, like, it would be tough and it will be very gotcha and you need to be have, like, a, basically a list of all the stuff you do, point yes. by point, a checklist that you check whilst doing your turn. Yes. So 
it wasn't that fun. Uh, and one thing that we didn't mention is that in 2010, it was Poland winning. Second time, second place was Germany. Then for a change in 2011, it was Germany winning and Poland yep. took second place. So you could see some patterns there. Uh, yeah, the, like we said, it started in 2007, but that, that eternal conflict for a Diablo reference kind of lasts for is it 10 years. It yeah, 2000? I think 2016 was the last year. Like, yeah, where the like the dominance was completely broken. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and it was always, even from Fringe being on Team Scotland or being a part of Team England, it was always a case of the round that you always looked out for was Germany versus Poland. Whoever won that or drew that usually went on to win. It was kind of a if they then beat a Sweden or it then became like a if Spain we didn't or... fail against the team that we would play the very next round. And I exactly. think uh, 2012 also was the very first year we had three day event. We had two games on Friday, two games on Saturday and two games on Sunday. Uh, to I'm pretty sure that was a thing because I was a mercenary in 2012 and I remember one of our players who was in the Polish team in 2011 didn't show up on Friday because he was convinced that we start on Saturday. Uh, so I'm pretty sure 2012 was the first free dayer that we had. Why do I think that WTC is the only time it's been three days? I thought it's always no, been no, no. two days. Why no, it's I... been three days since I was three playing. days. It was three days. Sorry. Playing, it was three days. Previously, yes. it wasn't. So it's, it's also it's been the, it's the number of games that's changed. So it went seven yeah. games. Yeah. So that's what changed. Yeah. Yeah. It was over three days. Yeah. It was six games till the till WTC. WTC so changed yeah. it to seven. Yeah. When you have over thirty teams, you realistic because otherwise you start getting you could have teams on. You could have multiple teams on five wins, one loss, and yeah, you don't get a necessarily clear winner. And that's usually how like they even ended. When you look historically, you had one team who was clear cut winner, and then like places second to fourth, fifth, usually were the teams with like tie on wins, draws, loses. Maybe I'm exaggerating a bit. Maybe it was only three, depended on the year, but it was decided by tiebreakers a lot of the times. A lot of the time it was decided by tiebreakers, yeah. Um, yeah, until about, yeah, about 2016 onwards, then it was a bit more clear-cut. The game became a little bit more clear-cut with the rules. But yeah, it was a little bit like, we knew that if England was like, oh, we could come joint third, but that would be like third, fourth, fifth, and sixth could all be on the same point. It was then just like count back in penalties and other things that would just change it yeah and back then like the things that were done like how you posted lists i think that one is also <laughs> interesting like yeah. back then there was like a specific forum yeah. that you would submit your lists on a given date so like you would need to submit it till noon midnight in uh, like central europe time so yeah. you'd have teams that are on different time zones that would be stressed. Yeah, and we always had 11. To... Yeah, uh, and more than that, you had teams like posting shit posting lists two hours before. So <laughs> yeah. you would look into it and be like, maybe we missed something. 
and then you would change it. So, and like everything would happen on forums. We wouldn't have any applications that you have nowadays. Mm -hmm. Turney Keeper itself was created to facilitate the ETC. Yeah. That application was used, I think, first time in uh, Croatia or Yeah, it's definitely earlier. later on, yeah. The pairings were what? Posted on forums? You could get them on like message yeah. messages on Facebook or you, there was actually a printout who's yeah. playing who and you would <laughs> have to go and see that printed out piece of paper to see who you are playing. So there would be always a crowd by that pillar. So yeah, it, it was interesting back then. Like we've yeah. come far. <laughs> I think it's around the 2012 mark where... It used to just be the eight players. That was kind of it. Every team, there was only eight players, so that's all you took. And then it started becoming, oh, everyone takes a coach. And then it came a little bit of, at that point where it wasn't like all online and everything else, it was kind of you took a coach. And then, I don't want to call them a spy, but they were effectively, uh, go wander around and see what they're doing for parents. there's a reason yeah. why this year it was forbidden for coaches to look over the pairings yes because that yeah. was a thing that was happening 100%. and that was yeah. a role of coaches to see how certain teams pair because nowadays if you see like pairings on bcp you can kind of figure it out like you don't have the pairings okay. themselves mm -hmm. but yeah like you can get a vague idea if you only if you have a conversation with them they might say or how you write down who's playing who. Like there mm -hmm. might be a pattern with how you write from the first defender to the last, etc. Yeah. And if you know which but, table is the light terrain, which one's the heavy terrain, you can sometimes vaguely work out. This is also another thing, terrain. Oh boy, that one was rough. Because yeah. what first year that we actually had terrain maps was uh 2018 right croatia i yeah. think croatia was before it was like literally a roulette what you get yeah like, like our our change we, when we played in poland for team england in 2012 we were like oh the terrain's super heavy this has favored our armies this is fantastic 2013 we're like oh the terrain will be something similar it'll be really heavy we took heavy terrain oriented lists got there and it was like playing on pool tables and our lists got smushed so and, at that point finding out what the terrain was was half the etc and f the same was for us in 2016 uh or no i think it was actually 18 our worst score ever uh it was we expected another year of empty boards after salamanca and it turned out that was the very first year isik actually took part in the preparation and the boards were insanely dense in 2018 yes. yeah like beyond what we have seen in previous editions and like those things it i'm glad we have terrain packs nowadays because it is competitive beforehand it it was just a roulette whether you hit with your army ideas etc or not and also, I think another thing to mention about the pairings themselves. Uh, I think 2015 was the first year we had two attackers into one defender. Yes. Yeah. Beforehand, the pairings themselves worked in a way that before the pairing started, you chose one of your armies, mm -hmm. put it aside, 
and that was your champion. Yes. Nobody knew the opposing team's champion, and the remaining armies were proceed you proceeded with the pairings as usual, but with the tweak that only one attacker is assigned to a defender. Mm -hmm. So back then you needed really good defender list to take on everything, yes. and they were much more of a throwaway than nowadays, or they needed a board when when you look back, you had like a defender, say, leaf blower guard back in fifth. If mm -hmm. they took empty board, it might not have mattered what you are playing against. No. So it, it was a big change and it was a great development. Although I like the idea of having a champion as an army, like as an unknown. I actually, I actually kind of, I know I like the system we have now, but uh, maybe because I'm old or whatever, I think. I actually prefer you put one and they they put what plays against you because I think that actually develops a lot more. You actually have to design a proper put forward list that can play anything, which is hard to do now. And so maybe the game is gone. The damage output, like if you if you brought a fifth edition now into tenth edition, fifth edition list now into tenth edition, you'd get tabled in turn. The, we I don't know what we used to be like. Oh, I've got five Laz Cannon Razorbacks. Like, cool. Now, or like Hydras being the most obscene shooting in the game back then, which had exactly. four auto cannon shots. Exactly, <laughs> that's what was competitive. But it was. I quite liked the fact that you had to build a full put forward army that could play eight. Whereas now you have a little bit more of a, well, a put forward list almost has way more power than it used to. Because I get to go put first put forward, I'll pick the least worst of those two, and I get to pick a board. So it's kind of actually you are seeing now where your put forward list. I know we'll probably go into depth in this more later. Your put forwards are actually more of a commanding position to gain points now. Whereas before, you had a put forward player who would happily sit in a corner, get what he has to play put against him, and then he'd be like, "Guys, have got three points." And you're like, "Ah, oh, yes, get in." Yeah, I think <laughs> where the idea of the first defender bringing more points and being like the sacrificial goat mm -hmm. was glorified because back then it was really nasty role. Like yes. you're supposed to get smashed. And, and you had to have the right player. And you had like players who would score out of 100, 120 points back then. They would mm -hmm. score what? 19, 27. Yeah. You were like, oh, if our first put forward brought back more than 25 points, you'd be like, that guy did really well. Yeah, uh, it yeah. was rough. Yeah. Unless you 20-nilled somebody or got 15 Mismash. or something in a first round smash, then, yeah, you were pretty much like, against top teams. You're like, if I can bring three to five points back, I've done my job. Yeah, that's why I recall like 2014 being our really great year because that was previous pairing for for mm. Polish team. And we had Skark as first defender who scored 104 points out of 120 mm. as first defender taking anything that opponents brought. And that was like something you wouldn't expect. Like very specialized attacker lists mm. would bring above 100 points. Yes. Like it was really hard to even bring above hundred points as a player. Mm -hmm. Like it, it wasn't easy, and because the system was so much different back then. 
I, even sure, before yeah. cards. I mean, fifth where you counted killed points, etc. Which is also another thing. Like your score depended on how many points of actual models you killed. So yes. if you played very conservatively and you didn't give out units, your opponent knew, really needed to push you sometimes yeah. to get those points because markers at the end of the game also counted as points. And another thing that we do not have anymore, there was also random game length, mm -hmm. which impacted, like it could flip a whole round by itself. Yeah. Which and the other, I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> the other scoring from, say, fifth and backwards was if you, there was an admission objective. If you drew the objective, you both got 10, and then it was plus or minus the VP differential. If you won, you got 15 points, plus or minus the VP differential. If you lost, you got five points, plus or minus the VP differential. So you could lose the game, but I smashed you, I got nine points. I could win the game, but actually you killed loads more of my army, I only got 12 points. Or it was that kind of... So we've had a... With every edition change, the scoring system has changed massively as well. Yeah, and it changed a lot how the games were played. And I, I found I found it very refreshing, I would say, that yeah. every year you, you kind of needed to play, but I had some of my favorites and not. But <clears throat> going back, I think 2013, I remember 2012 as a year that the organization was dodgy, to say the least. And I think that was a big problem for upcoming ETCs because as that year was dodgy, next year is when you had like a bid for an organizer because you actually had people who would be like put forward bids and then you would have people voting which country should host. Then you would have nations that essentially people would look for cheaper countries. I think that's why we had Serbia twice because yes. compared to Switzerland, well, that's that's a difference. Yes, and Switzerland what? was a problem for other reasons because it was difficult for some teams to get visas as well because obviously it's yeah. not technically in the EU. Um, yeah, Poland had a few issues where in 2012 because it, it's, it was the first one that was a bit more expensive than the others. And then we got there and it was like, actually, there's no food provided. You had to buy your food on top. And people were like, well, that wasn't in the bid. That wasn't quite where we thought it was going to be. And we were also playing like inflatable. It was outside of the tent. Yeah, and like inflatable big so... tent. And if you're unlucky, you would play by that air conditioning. And it would you would actually have problems with keeping your models straight. Yeah. And the train so... was made out of foam. So the terrain would just go uh. And yeah, like, also oh, okay. fly away. Yeah. So, but you wanted was... to be by the fan because if you were stood in the middle of the hall where the fans didn't touch you, it was about 35 degrees Celsius. Not uh, great. <laughs> no, it was not good. There, some two people had heat strokes, not heat strokes, heat uh, exposure. Uh, yeah. And then fantasy was played inside the sports hall. That had tiny windows on it so they were all in 35 degree heat so they Boiling. weren't much better yeah so people were like oh okay Th this so had england not won it in 2012 it would have been by far the worst etc we've ever been to for team for me personally 
Uh, yeah. But that overshadows everything. Yeah. And then what? 2013, it was first year in Serbia. And I think that's the reason we had free time Serbia over the years. Yeah. It's because the organization was good. Like they, you didn't feel scammed, maybe except by the food you got. Mm-hmm. You you didn't want to buy the food. You had that good Pleskavica on the other side of the road. That was that was the way to go. Sure. But it was real cheap. And I think that was a main selling point. I remember myself being what? Back then, like 17-year-old, feeling like I actually had money as a high school student in that country, which was real nice. And actually, like, I remember even the aircon worked. Like, it was, in yeah. general, well-organized. A lot of space, like, really a lot of space, mm-hmm. which was a nice change. Like, and, I think it yeah. was the... I think it was the first year that you had access around the entire table because yeah. in previous years you were you were bunched next to each other so it was it was really claustrophobic before it's also worth mentioning that like in previous editions there was no hammer and anvil deployment so yeah, there were no right. short edge deployments so there wasn't really, really that much of a necessity necessity uh, to actually have that space on the sides of the table, yeah. except for the player's comfort. But then it was prioritized way more, which also meant that you needed bigger halls, bigger venues, which also meant bigger prices usually. So yeah. you could see a huge spike in prices over the years as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Serbia, the, the few years we had in Serbia, uh, I've definitely been the best run. Okay. Excluding the WTC last year, actually, I think the WTC last year was the best run of 40k events we've had in, well, since it started, personally. But Serbia was, like you say, nice weather, excellent food, excellent restaurants, everything's cheap, it's not difficult to get to, everyone could get there, no visa issues or anything. So, yeah, Serbia ticked all the boxes, which is why, uh, because it was, it was, it was going to be two years, and then was it France who won the bid? But their stadium collapsed, so we had a third Prague. year in Serbia, was it? Was no, it no, no. Yeah. We had two years in Serbia, then we had Prague. Yeah, then we went back. Later. Then we went, no, then we had Athens, Salamanca, Croatia, yeah. and then Serbia in 2019. Yeah. So you guys won both times in Serbia. Yes. No, no, once in Serbia, once, once in Poland. Poland. Yeah. But we, we came third in Serbia as well, the first year. Yeah. Um, I think so. Yeah. Good place for so us. So I, I, I think you could also see that from like 2013, 14 onwards, we started to have more teams, not necessarily only you would call from European sphere. Like you, I think, what was it? 2010 that you had first USA team, but then we started having more teams, not even maybe traveling there but trying to get there and yes. we would we wouldn't it would take time till we had like canada coming over or australia it needed the game to become way more popular mm-hmm. and like the event and the whole media making it more accessible because what's also important i think when you look back to like those events in 2004 like i think till 2016 there wasn't really that much information shared between the communities. I, no. I, there were like 
you had your small forums, you had your small tournaments happening, God knows where, made on piece of paper, made like literally pairings done on piece of paper and you'd fill in Excel sheets. Yeah. If you were in a lucky country, you had your software, like in our case, like one guy did it as his uni project. Mm -hmm. And we had like whole software for providing tournaments. And now to this day, he sometimes supports it. Uh, but you wouldn't get those information that you can get now from like BCP, Gunhammer, etc. Every country had their own metas, something that was very specific to their country. And I remember even us as Polish team traveling, say, to Germany, like we would actually take like dumb lists and go for a team event in Germany to figure mm -hmm. out what they would play. Sure. That was just a and you guys coming over to like Polish team championship which That's what was we like did. two months before the ETC. Like that was also a thing, like France, Russia, you guys coming over to our team tournaments as well. Yeah. So Yeah, that was a, that was that year, I think the 2012 build up, we went to we won our own home nations because we do a, an event every year, England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. Later on, we have added Belgium. Later on, we added two other guest nations as well. Um, we went to the Polish team champions, and I think we won it in 2012 as well, and I was on that team. And then we went to the ETC as well, where we won that as well, which was, uh, other than Sweden Fitting. winning it before, yeah, other than, <laughs> other than Sweden winning it two years previous, like, not two years, uh, three years three previous. Years. Um, it was the, like the two little blips in the Germany Poland conflict of first place. Like there's just yeah. those two little standouts, and that's about it. Yeah, from 2007 to 2016, <laughs> it was what Poland winning three times, Germany winning five times, and once Sweden, once England. Yeah. So there's like there's a reason <coughs> why when when you look at like the summary and people talking like poland was the most winning this nation i i want to add there's actually like small asterisk to all of it all those information are actually related to like our average placing which mm -hmm. was better because we didn't have those bad years like say england had yes before. and also we didn't have those years where germany like decided we do not want to be those bad guys that no one wants to play so yeah. we decided to switch the whole team, take new players and everyone to know that we are the good guys nowadays and mm. none of the old guard is playing. And that's that's a change that I think whenever you see those aggregated information, you see Poland at the top because our worst year was like six. Mm. And it was six out of what, 30, player, 30 teams, not like nine out of 10 teams. Yes. So it yeah. changed. It changes averages a lot. Mm -hmm. And I would say over the years, the most wins as a nation, it was Germany. Then it was us. And then I think it was, you guys Sweden. have two. No, no, Sweden uh, won, won once. You guys have two over the years. Uh, yes, uh, of actual podium finishes, yeah. it's No, I, I meant like winning, winning. Yeah, I mean, podiums probably it would still be Germany, Poland, and then Sweden yes. somewhere because they got, we've got, so many. we've got two golds and a bronze. Sweden have got a gold, a bronze and a silver. They got another podium. Don't remember. 
Yeah. Um, you can yeah. check it yeah. if for anyone listening, mm -hmm. you can check it out on WTC webpage. They have history tab where you can actually look it up and see what what was the history. And I and I think 2017, which was the glorious year of Storm Ravens and Brimstones, with in Salamanca in scorching heat, heat like that one was rough. Yeah. Uh, and also organization wise it wasn't the best i would say uh you had those you had those i remember like terrains like you would actually have like giant homer simpson on the middle of the board <laughs> it was horrific, yeah. <laughs> as a terrain and piece or, or, yeah was it was it salamanca or athens where we had that hour and a half delay because the software crashed because everyone was looking at the page yeah, I don't really, maybe it was Salamanca. I know, I know One of them. Athens in 2016 was the year that Neil said, fuck it, I, I'm taking over, like this is too much. And this Athens was a year was that it was real bad. They had like no staff. <laughs> Neil, Neil basically made the tournament run, including like changing toilet paper, mm -hmm. yeah, which it was, it was real bad. And he needed to take a break which i think is totally fair but sure. there is a reason why for those unaware like neil is considered like a saint of this community if you talk shit about him probably mm -hmm. someone in that room will slap you yeah, <laughs> yeah. because he's the, he this... he's the godfather of at least the 40k side definitely he's the godfather of 40k etc wtc because without or like him, gentle it wouldn't be where play yes and gentleman good. play Yes. Forcing people to not be cunts. Yeah. Because we've only had problem. those. Granted, we missed two years because of COVID, but that's only come in, in the last five years. What, 2018, 19 onwards? I think Salamanca as well was already yeah. like more chill when I recall the games. Like it was. Yes. There were many problems. I felt maybe that was the case because we just swapped to 8th edition last minute and it was the index editions where everyone's just like, this game and is it was awful. Dumb. So everyone's just like, let's not go too crazy. But wasn't that also the year where people were complaining about... Oh no, that's 7th edition, sorry. Ignore that. There was a... I think the fair play thing started with... A, I can't remember which two nations. I think it was Germany and somebody else where somebody brought flyers on didn't declare that they were shooting ground targets, so his opponent said, yeah. you now have to roll on sixes. And then it was kind of a case of, well, that's not sportsmanship, because obviously he's only going to shoot ground stuff. German player then brings on his flyers, does the exact same thing, forgets to declare, and his opponent says, well, no, you can't do that. And then they have refs over, and the ref's like, well, are you going to allow him to do that? Otherwise, you're going to give you a yellow card. And he's like, yeah, he did that to me, so yellow card. This is like, okay, yeah, this needs to change, because... This whole, especially like when it started getting really competitive, 2010 to 2015, those years where it was, it's really important who wins. There was, it definitely had a bad reputation. Like and we also, it. it's worth mentioning that compared to ITC, there were no prizes. Oh, like, nothing. nothing. I, I can show you some of the trophies I have. Those are not really glorious. I have them more as like mementos, but yeah, those are not stuff you, not like last year's trophies. They they no. were they weren't great, and you played for nothing but the glory and feeling better mm -hmm. than other nations. Yes. Oh yeah, and like my... it, 
my two ETC trophies are awful. Like it's it's one thing that I I know some teams have done it before, but but it's one thing that we've lobbied when we swapped to the WTC from the ETC. It was always a case of can we finally have good trophies? Because we all spend, especially if you're like in Australia or USA yeah. or even Iceland, let alone getting here if you're Australia, if, unless you're buying knockoffs, the actual cost of Warhammer is horrifically high. Getting over here is going to cost, well, it's going to cost a thousand, two thousand euros, whatever you want to call it. It's going to cost an absolute fortune to get over here. And I then think it's at least away. a thousand euros for a round trip. Exactly, yeah. Especially with the flights being what they are now, cost-wise. But yeah, it's like, can we actually have some decent trophies? Because yeah, of my entire trophy cabinet, it's like, oh, I've got these two little ones in the corner, which are the most prestigious, but then like, yeah. they're the worst ones in here, by far. I, I think I have mine just by myself. Uh, so, those, <laughs> yeah. I, I think this is what... Uh, bronze, maybe? 2013 bronze uh 2015 bronze at least it says so uh and those aren't like those were th those weren't great <laughs> Not so yeah there, there was way too much competition and i think nowadays the competition is healthy yes like, much better at least people accepted the fact that if you were to win it's better if you win fair and square not because of being it a dick to your opponent and i think that was actually like how neil advocated the rule mm. that don't be a dick that was just the yes referee rule yeah just don't be a dick man that's all 100 100 uh it got a little bit more difficult we can discuss it later or something but it got a little bit more difficult when clocks came in because clocks clocks are one of the biggest because time management has always been a problem at wtc it like from us, I know England has a weird relationship with the rest of Europe, but it was always a case of we'd always feel like, oh, three hours is plenty of time for a game. And then for anybody who's new, he's like, oh, three hours is fine. I'm like, wait till you play in the WTC or the ETC because European time is different. Like you'd have games that are three hours and you'd play, I'm not going to name a nation, but they'd get to two turns and be like, how do we get to two turns in three, three and a half hour games? And that's where they implemented clocks. Clocks, while fantastic. Like before clocks, you were there was a year where you actually written down start and the end time of yeah. each turn on a piece of paper. That was nuts. So like it was it actually stalling was a big problem because oh, there's because you, unless you have a judge from the very beginning, you cannot tell necessarily who was stalling. You can at that point had assigned like a warning to the both players mm. and then watch for repeat offenses yes yeah but that's all you can do like when we were talking about fifth edition if you were put for a player and you're like oh well he, he can't 20 nail me if we only have three turns like there was yeah. there was almost other than fair play there was lessons not that not i'm not saying this happened very frequently it was actually still very rare thankfully but it was a case that you'd have games that like, oh, well, it'd end up 13-7 because, well, we only got three turns. Yeah, and, and you like, had... And those games are stuck in your brain. Like, if yeah. those games and those problems we mentioned were more common, 
we right. wouldn't be willing to participate in the event anymore. Exactly. Yeah. But but those were one-offs. But if you have even like one game like that every round, it's still six rounds of play, and you <coughs> know more about it because one team got penalized in a way for the opposing team being unfair. So that was clocks were a long conversation as well. Should we like split equally? Maybe if someone has more models, should it be unequal? It's like it was yeah. a whole layer of conversation where I think my main problem with clocks is that it removes part of the social interaction and puts more pressure on both players. 100%. Yeah. I remember. Sorry. Yeah, I remember when we played. Like we yeah. had a game where we were, we didn't draw clocks. We were like, we're doing this. We're we're gonna finish the game. Let's. And I remember like turn three. We both knew what's happening. It was dumb. Like early eighth edition. But we yeah. just had it like 10, 15 minute conversation about life, and then went back to rolling dice. Yes. And yeah. That was my last ever ETC game actually. And since then, I've been oh. coaching. Yeah, it was my last. At least, it, granted, it was the worst ever edition change. game <laughs> yeah but it was at least at least the game ended well at least i had a good game for my last game but it was yeah like that that etc was by far the worst and we're going through it a little bit at the moment being the last minute switch to change as uh, last I minute think switch to it's it's better than that time because you can see 100 yeah, yeah. we learned about it like from our previous problems with switching editions, so like the organization crew knew knew what it will probably entail, mm -hmm. and teams all, also knew. And we see that GW is already like we probably will have like emergency patch within the next few days. Yeah. So hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah, it's gonna be better. I think it's also gonna be better because nowadays you will. Like the game is healthier to an extent that it might sound weird to people not listening to this for the first time, but I think like GW at times even realized some mechanics are broken. Like for example, flyers nowadays aren't that good. And back yeah. then they were very bad for the game and enjoyment. Yeah. Thanks Tony Chu for your nine flyer elder army. Yeah. Great fun. Yeah. Fun and interactive, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you were saying? No, 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 And I think when we like go back to those years, uh, I think there are like few things worth mentioning that were also first offs. Like 2014, as I mentioned, was the first year a team won all of their games. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was uh, Team Poland back then. 2015, it was Germany that they won all six of their games. And in 2016, they again won all six of their games, making yes. them the only nation to actually win all 12. And from what I recall, both those back years also, I think both of those years also, Defrat won singles. If I'm not, yeah. if I'm not wrong, but I'm, I'm quite positive about that one. So yeah, like those two years, it was like, Germany is here to win. Like, and it wasn't even fun. I remember us playing them in 
both both times we played them in 2015 and 2016 uh, there were there was only one or two tables on on our when uh, on our end that won their games mm. so it, like it wasn't even close yeah we so, played we played them in athens and we had one kind of controversial game where it ended too early before because a, a little bit nowadays you have you score way more throughout the game in a lot of past previous editions you scored everything at the end yeah so you were trying to like hide and snipe and try and kill some stuff and have going last was actually enormous in most games uh unless you could just block the objective from people getting onto it if you had enough stuff so then we had a couple of games in our round where the the game ended early so our better scoring at the end games were not doing so well but i think yeah we i still think it wasn't that close to be honest yeah germany those two years were pretty horrific yeah and i and i think 2017 they still had like the old guard it just didn't work as well for them and and i think it was 2019 where they decided to swap their most of their team yes if i'm correct if i'm correct and that's that where area. you have like bigger drop-off because in 2018 they were again fourth so not nothing bad right and uh, and over the years like you saw in 2017 russia winning which mm -hmm. i think was a year where it was a tiebreaker for first and also tiebreaker for third i mm -hmm. think we had tiebreaker but I'm not really sure about it. Then 2018, it was USA, I think, also winning all six of their games. Yes. And I remember US being themselves, uh, boasting on Facebook that it is the first time somebody won all six when it was actually fourth. But yeah. good job, US. Uh, to yes. your own horn. Uh, I know, I know the, uh, there's a little bit of a hashtag at the moment saying anybody but England uh, from what the previous episode was. But uh, yeah, Americans forgetting history is an interesting one. That's usually pretty common. I mean, there is this show so short that they might not remember. <laughs> there's sure, nothing yeah. to remember there. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then in 2000 England, it was you guys winning again uh, yes. with one American. And I think that's another turning point mm -hmm. in the history of WTC. And that was how we joke in Poland, Ser Nikolas Nanowatowski <laughs> playing in as a royal member of the English team, winning back yeah. to back w, the ETCs back then, once mm. in USA, then in England. And I think it was a start of no mercenary approach. Well, well, it was it's no mercenaries depending on how good you are. Which yeah. I have my own opinions on that. We don't uh, that we don't have to go into that controversial top subject. I'm under the impression that if you want to say no mercenaries, that's absolutely fine. I totally get that. You are meant to be representing your country, but then I think that has to be across the board. I think if you can't take eight players, that unfortunately your team just doesn't go. But that's obviously my own personal opinion. Because um, when you have a team that has four nationals and then four mercenaries, did you really take a team? It's not to me. That's not that's not in the spirit of we're doing nation versus nation. We're doing nation because 
if you're a, a lower team who's allowed to take four mercenaries, but then a higher team has somebody drop out, they can't take a mercenary, maybe that, that would be allowed because it's last minute. But we we basically took Nick because he wasn't involved in the American team anymore. He was friends with a lot of us, obviously, native speakers. There's a connection between the USA and the UK. We all got on with him really, really well. We We had a few issues with some of our potential selections. So for us, it was more of a case of we're not going to take certain people because we don't want to risk any issues with those selections. So then it becomes Nick's available. We all get on with him. We all really like him. We took one mercenary, but obviously it became a whole thing of, oh, you've you've made a super team because we took one person. Uh, yeah. But each their own. Yeah, and I think that was a year also that we had first time Australia really trying. Mm -hmm, definitely. We played and, the last round and they were really good. Yeah, yeah. And that's why they might have been a sleeper for 2022 as well. Because when you look at the history, they only surfaced <coughs> once mm -hmm. and not really for everyone. Because fourth place is just enough for people to ignore you at times, if it was Sometimes, only yeah. once. Yeah. And. And there is also another asterisk for that year that USA performed poorly for compared to 2018, but they had last minute, well, dropout is a bad word, but they didn't have one player come. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's like another asterisk for like last years of competition. But I think what actually was solidified in the last few years when you look at it is that poland and germany still are forces to be reckoned with i find that both us and germany are no longer a team that you look at thinking like they are go either of them is going to win i find us more as like a um how do you say it? gatekeeper like it, sure. A team that wins against us can win the event. But like we are the team that you have to beat if you want to win the event. We will usually fumble at once. Sure. Yeah, basically, and, the two years England have won it, we've both, the, both those times we had to beat Poland. Every other time we've lost to Poland, we didn't do well. Because we've played yeah, Poland and, quite a few times. And I think we lost... That That's a thing when you, I think, look both our at us like we i mean as poland and germany like we have a history try like history track of really good results that mm -hmm. might not really translate nowadays because back then like back those previous years we had years of experience we had nation circuits that were meant to like cultivate newer players to get into the format to play more wtc style and now that it's becoming more and more popular, and I'm really happy that it is, because I think Teams 40K is way better than singles. Because 100%. you can play bad armies, you can enjoy it, you can get that pesky first defender role with a subpar army and still perform to what your team needs. And those were the things that back then, it was mainly Poland and Germany knowing most of it. And nowadays, I feel like more teams are actually aware of it and put the same amount of prep. And I think nowadays it's a lot more prep than it what than what it used to be. When I look back, like to 2014 when we won, 
I recall like having three weekends with the team. Like we would play, sit at friend's house. We would have three tables set up and we would meet up and just play a lot of games to see what's happening, to identify strong armies, what, what's going on. But there was no TTS. There was no way to improve yourselves. There was no media outlets to actually get information from around the world. There, there was no way to get actual statistics of how armies perform or what armies are performing on like bigger stage. So I think teams are catching up and they realize that this is as much of a player game uh, but as much also as an information game nowadays. Like we, we had a similar experience. In 2012, it was the build-up to it was we need to learn what everyone else has taken. So we went to two international tournaments, including Poland's. It then became a case of we had, I think, the six weekends leading up to the ETC, the whole team pretty much met. So everyone's traveling from around the country. You had every weekend doing that when we were at the event while we were playing the friday saturday sunday the, oh, sunday evening was different but there was no drinking it was pairings matrixes all evening on laptops whole team conversations that basically shut all the fun down if you yeah. want to win you've got to do something about it 2019 for us was a bit different that was a little bit more of a we we thought we were on top of it but then it was still like the game is still a little bit random enough with maelstrom cards and everything else to be like we can still we think we are in a good place to win but it's way less predictable than it had been in previous years reliable yes say. yeah like we could easily go into rounds being like this should be in our favor but actually if if three of our players get crap maelstrom cards or nothing you can do they stack objectives and win the side. Or the random game length goes. All that, yes. Yeah. The the variability of those games was harder to predict for sure. And also yeah. the 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 I don't know if we've discussed it yet. How you did the in 2019? Like I think we had a round where we had six twenties and two zeros. The the twenty nilling somebody wasn't. If for anybody who doesn't know, we don't do it as a oh, I win 84, 83, I win the game. It's done on five wins, you win the tournament. It was. Everything's done on a 0 to 20 sliding scale. So back then, unlike it is now, getting 20 nils was, if the game just started going past you, you were probably going to start getting potentially 20 nils. If they yeah. start getting... Especially at one counts. point, we were also playing a ruling that if you get tabled, you lose 20 nil. Nevertheless, what were the actual scores like you might be holding points for your team so you like turn five you get eight turn six you get seven turn seven you get zero yes because you just died you just got tabled yeah because you went for the objectives to get the six and then it carried on and then you got zero yeah uh, which i do think if we're going back to 10th edition for wtc you have to have fully painted armies anyway that 10 points you get for painting please make that tabling somebody should be out of 90. personally that's my personal opinion should be out of, out of 90 if you table somebody. You, you so so when you look at the scores, you're like, oh, oh the other one got real yeah. bad. Yeah. You got, it's, a, it's also a nice indicator for like, oh, that person actually got tabled. But that's not a personal preference. <laughs> yeah. I, do you have like any other, looking back at the years, do you have any other 
takeaways from how it changed. Like we just talked about the formats, the rulings, the refereeing, having actual uh, TTS and stuff that allows you to practice. But, but maybe there's something else that jumps to your mind. So yeah, over the years, I guess the main changes have always been when we've had to deal with last minute addition changes. So going into eighth was a nightmare. We got a lot of stick for winning 2012 because sixth edition was out, but we played a very, basically the very end of fifth edition uh, because they felt it was too much to swap to an edition, but they've obviously changed their mind. We learned it, and in 2014, we immediately swapped to seventh and we're like, nope. Yes, yeah. Then what else has changed over the year? Scoring systems have changed, pairings have changed, terrain has changed massively. The latest one being clocks. We unfortunately had a year where people weaponized clocks. That was always, and that's still probably not a hundred percent dealt with. Uh, it's, it's still. It's a really bit hard to deal with it in a game where you have action reaction, not like chess, yes. where where you do your action end of time. It's... Yes. Yeah. Unless you have a ref at every table, which is just nowhere near feasible. You can't and really the ref is handling the clock. Yes, exactly. And then you have issues of uh, you have some things where it's just like, oh, the clock's been done wrong, but the ref can only look at the table and what he can see. So it is what it is. Um, other than that, change-wise, it's nice that it's opening up and we are having, not that the Germany-Poland era wasn't, well, it's not gone. You guys came back last year pretty powerfully. It's it's that hopefully it's a bit more you could maybe look at five, six, eight, maybe even seven teams who could potentially win it with how potentially the scoring system is going to work this year. Uh, and especially when there's a brand new edition, there's a, there's a strong likelihood that some teams will miss something or one team goes all one way, one team goes all another way. Australia always have a, has a very different meta. Uh, I've always felt Poland and ours have kind of similar metas. We, we usually ended up with like six out of eight lists being nearly the same. Kind of, yeah, exactly. But then Germany's meta is different. USA's meta is very different. The year Russia came second in 2019. They won. In, and 17, they won. They had weird lists. Weird lists. Like we had... had a, so we drew with... Russia, well, technically, we drew with them. They lost to us. It's a thing. Um, had we not had Manny play two of their team members in the singles, we might not have realized what some of their armies did. And that ended up being like a, a big thing that we had that year, where it's like these lists on paper look totally weird and totally different. And so you play them and go, oh, that's what they do. And that's always been my favorite thing about the WTC. I always, at the end, especially now with BCP and everything else, you can go look at the lists. Like last year's, I loved the German Nid list, which was the no high tyrant, yeah. all the other thing. Harpies, loads of zones, spitting out spore mines left, right, and center, did all mortals. I took it to the next four tournaments I went to because I'm like, I actually really like that list. And it was different. Um, or you were like, playing the Chaos Knight list I took to Netherlands, right? Exactly. You took that, and I had three events with it, and it was one of the best armies I've used in Knight Edition. I loved it. Uh, I'm a little bit sad that they've lost all their... Yeah. Now. 
Uh, but yeah, it's one of those armies. Uh, yeah, I, EPC I, I... has always bred interesting different armies where you can have an army that goes... And innovation. Like, it was always yes. innovation because you had those clear-cut four or five lists nearly in every sure. team. Sure. And it was a question where, like, those remaining lists are actually something completely different that somebody skipped. And it's always yeah. fun to then look back and realize, like, oh, like, GSC list by Eric last year. No one played GSC in the world. And then... Everybody said so, after that. Yeah. yeah. But it's one of those, again, like I was talking about, Australia's meta is always quite different. They they had a slightly hoardier meta than most other teams. Um, even in previous editions, they would take kind of more, when we played them in 2019 and last year, they kind of carried through that, oh, these, they probably have a bit more of a model-based meta than some other teams, which had maybe a more elite meta or... Some teams, yeah. I think England has always been kind of a, you end up taking just eight, the two years that we did really well, you end up just taking like eight super strong lists and just be good players. Was always the thing. We've always tried to be clever and sometimes that one clever list has always just backfired and it just didn't work. So you've got to be very careful. Sometimes they don't always work the way you want them to do. You think, oh, it's a super clever list on paper and then you get there and it's uh, actually didn't do what I wanted it to do. Or other teams didn't take what you thought they were going to take. It's a little bit like you discussed earlier. It's a little bit more information. Information's yeah. a bit more open. Uh, I think this year with tenth, it's going to be a little bit more. The addition is with less options. It's a little bit more meat and potatoes. You might see a lot of teams taking pretty similar lists, like in Salamanca when it was swapped to eighth edition. Most okay. teams had. Nearly same the same amount of Storm Ravens as players. Uh, yeah, it's probably worse to be honest. I know our team we had three Storm Raven lists. I think we had thirteen Storm Ravens on our team, just because yeah. the only list that we missed that year was Dark Talons, because one of our players said, "Oh, that's crap," and we were all like, "When we got there," because everyone else, all the other top teams, took it. And we were like, yeah. "Thanks." I'm not going to name who it is, but you know who you are, Alex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, uh, and like looking at the teams, I think one in one of the next episodes we'll go into our predictions and like who we think are the contenders. Like right now, if I put you on the spot, what are the five teams you would look out for? Is it the classic Poland, Germany, Australia, England, USA, or do you have like? someone else that popped pops into your brain so yeah if i was if i was doing it right now you would have to say australia defending champs should always be in the top five they should probably be podium them again they seem to be doing everything right they have these proper boot camps which is what you have to have maybe they're less necessary now with tts but i still i value face to face getting things done way more than TTS personally. USA should always be favorites. They have a, I know maybe the team's changed a bit over the recent times, but they have more play testers than anybody. So if they've seen the addition months before other teams, they should always be. MDA, the competitive advantage. That too. Uh, I would like to throw England in there because if you look from 2012 onwards, we've come sixth a couple of times, but we're always a top five. 
So it's, I would predict we definitely come in the top five again. I think England has the best team we've taken in a while. And if we... Do you look at players that you question when you look at this club? Uh, like question uh, whether they should... I'd always, I'd, 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 always question, I'd question Alex Harrison, but the, uh, I mean, is, yeah. Alex and Manny, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're, they're just uh, difficult. But uh, no, um, yeah, Germany and Poland are always going to be there based on history, based on last year's events. Uh, who else would I put in there? Spain. We played them last round last year. They've got a couple of phenomenal players. They also. TTS, I think, has helped a lot of those, the Spain, Italy, those kind of countries really start. Canada. Canada's getting, they could end up being like in Australia a couple of years ago where they stop, start breaking into the top five, maybe podium places. Outside of those like five, six nations, again, it's a new edition year. You could have, you, anybody could hit the mark. I, I think numbers. we have like clear contenders for top three. But I wouldn't be surprised if the list of teams that we could actually consider to get, like, for example, third place would be like mm -hmm. 10, 10 countries long. I think the competition yeah. is getting closer and closer throughout the years. Mm -hmm. You have more teams actually getting to that level over the years when they get enough exposure and experience. And I'm really looking forward to how I think the world is starting to appreciate the whole event and mm -hmm. how much there it is about the event and how competitive it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm so looking forward to this year, especially that we'll be on the sidelines and we'll be able to oh, so shit talk all life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Being coach or captain is the most stressful thing ever. Oh, the thing I hated most about being, because I was coach for England last year, the worst thing was setting up the tables for everybody. They were all going doing pairings and we had we had to bring four extra members just to set the tables up for everybody. And it's it's and then you're waiting on the stress of the rounds and it's just the game. You're more stressed as a coach than as a player. Yeah, because I've got to go tell the captain, oh look, we're getting battered. <laughs> and he's yeah. just like, I'll go tell him to push. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll do what I can. And they're like, hey, Mike, push. He's like, no. <laughs> it's like, ninth edition. There's no such thing as push turn free. No, nah, there wasn't. No, nah, there wasn't, unfortunately. But then again, like, oh, sorry, going back to the other thing, there's nations that are actually new this year who also, I think New Zealand will be a big one to look out for. They obviously have some good players. The meta might not be that different to US, uh, Australia. I think they play with Australia sometimes. So, again, that could be a big team that comes through and makes top 10 if, they get, if they're yeah. on the ball, top five. Other than that, yeah, I think that's it's going to be an interesting year, sure, certainly. So on that note, thanks for everyone who was listening. There will be more episodes coming in so for those interested. We, there's also Contact Lost. Doing, they will be doing the coverage with us. They also do a series of interviews. They do interviews with captains. We are, we, myself and Nathan, will be more on the like technical side because we're the old guys in the community that know what was happening. We, we've got all the stories. We've got all the dirty little things that I, we know people did. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for more, to learn more about certain teams, check out Contact Lost as well. They will be co-hosting with us. We will be doing all the stuff at the event. And if you have any questions about the event or any topic that you'd like us to touch upon, feel free to shoot on Discord, message me or Nathan privately 
or even commenting the video because it, we might be missing something. Like at this point, if you're so experienced, <clears throat> some of the things are obvious for us. Yeah. And we just treat them as something that was always there. But for someone new, especially if you're like first year actually watching what's happening, what's the event about, we we are the guys who can probably explain nearly any of it. Yeah. Everything. Any, so. any questions, any stories you have if you've previously been, anything you want to know, scoring systems, whatever, just hit us up in the comments or on the Discord and just let us know what you want to talk about. And see you in the next one. Thanks, for, thanks Nathan, for joining in. Thank you too, man. That was good. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.